for working. Yeah, please come and help Anya out. Stressing us out in our house. We definitely, it was one of those things where, maybe we shouldn't have offered that, but it was when they showed us. They had pages, didn't they? Pages of plans. And Anya's like, you what? I'm not sure we can do that, but we can do it. Together we can do it. Sorry, not meant to put you off. Okay, good morning. Um, for those of you who don't know um, me, my name's Pete. I have the pleasure of being Anya's husband, but also help um, lead the church. Um, if, you're, if you haven't been here last week, then we're right bang in the middle of a vision series. Um, we're in this, as lots of you know, in this sort of transition stage here with Stephen Tammy moving on to um, start something in Milton Keynes, and that's... Um, given us an opportunity to review things and think about things. So we hope that some of the changes are good. Um, some of them are going to be scary, but we're pretty sure that this is what God has given us. So like I said, we're in the middle of this short three-part series. We're explaining um, what we want to build on. This isn't a new vision. This is something that we want to build on and build on all the stuff that Steve and Tammy laid the foundations for and we've all been part of um, but we really believe that this is a, a key time for us as a church. But we also believe that this isn't a vision that's just been given to us, that this is a vision that's been given to the whole church for all of us to play our part in. So over these um, last few weeks, Dan started last week and Annie's going to be finishing up next week. We've been um, looking at what this means, um, what, what could it look like for us all to play a part in this, um, yeah, and how, how we can all get involved in it. Because this stuff that we're talking about this morning isn't something that just comes from here, is instructed, and you sort of then got it. Um, we all need to step up and work all this stuff out together. So if you were here last week, then Dan shared a bit about our vision for communities and community circles, which is going to be our new group structure. Um, we really believe that we're called to live in community together. So if you missed that, then um, you can go to the website. And actually, don't go to the website because that's one of the jobs on my list to do is redo the website and it isn't there. Go to YouTube and search for Central Vineyard and it'll be there and also on your preferred podcast app. It's there as well. So like I said, if you've been around the last few weeks and also if you've been coming to uh, the Equip sessions on Wednesday, you'd have heard us say, um, talk a lot about our... Um, short strap line that we're, um, that we're sharing. So that's a transformation, transformational church community following Jesus and joining, the God, joining God in renewal of all things. We want to build and be a transforma transformational community. And we can only do this through the enduring um, and renewing work of the Holy Spirit as we seek to follow Jesus and join him in the renewal of all things. So there isn't a place or time in our lives when this should start and stop. It's for all of us all of the time. And we believe that we live that, this out in three ways. Firstly, in intentional communities. What would it look like if we were to purposely surround ourselves with other followers of Jesus, building each other up in love outside of this space on a Sunday? Secondly, what would we believe that we're called to live a life of counterformation in discipleship, and that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. And then finally, we believe that we're called to live all this out through Kingdom Mission, and Annual will be coming um, next week to share about that. So if you have your Bibles with you, um, if you want to turn to Ephesians 4, 17 to 24, it'll be on the screen if you haven't got, a, um, haven't got your Bible. If you want a Bible, then 
Go and see Ken Willis. He'll always give you a Bible. I don't think he's there. Got any today? Yeah, he can always sort you out the Bible if you want a Bible. Go speak to him. Okay. So Ephesians 4, 17 to 24 says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learnt when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So here we read about Paul just Paul's call to the um, Ephesians that you've got to turn from one way, the old way, to a new way. So I briefly explained this back in May, what we mean by counterformation, because that can be a bit of a weird um, term, but we have purposely chose that term. Um, so I guess counterformation is being formed against something. So in order to form against something, we first need to understand what we're, how we're being formed so we can counter against it. So the reality is we're all formed by our culture in ways that we're not often aware of. We are shaped by people, our media, the shops that we shop in, those sneaky little ads online, the TV shows that we watch, the work that we do, the schools that we go to, so many things all vie for our attention, both outwardly and obviously, but also subconsciously. They can impact our viewpoints, our finances, what we spend our money on, our habits, and the way that we use our time. And maybe some of us happily go with the flow, just loving the culture. And maybe some of us here actively resist it. But in some way, we're all impacted by the present culture. In fact, the greatest discipling mechanism in the world right now is the world itself. Our affections and our thoughts and our worldview and our attitudes are always being recruited by the world. And I don't know about you, but sometimes this can feel a bit relentless. Just when you think you've worked something out and you've thought, okay, I need, to think, I need to think about this subject in this way to follow Jesus. There's something else that comes along out of nowhere and forms us in a completely different way. We've got consumerism, materialism, sexual ethics, ambition, money, power. They all want our attention and beckon us to follow them. The world tells us to choose doubt over fear. It tells us that doing what you want is greater than doing things sacrificially. We're told that the individual is more important than community, that consumption is greater than contribution, and that exhaustion is greater than rest, and so much more. The list goes on. Now, the reality is, as Christians, we don't have the monopoly on spiritual formation. Spirituality isn't restricted to a religious place. It's not restricted to here on a Sunday or in our groups. Every person has a spirit and is allowing that to be formed. So spiritual formation is a human condition, something that we actually have in common with every other person living on the world, in the world. It's just that formation without Jesus is often unintentional. 
Now, you may be sitting here this morning saying, the world doesn't tell me, doesn't tell me what to do. I'm immune from all this. But in most cases, unintentional formation is just that. It's unintentional. We don't really have any idea that it's happening to us. And this unintentional formation can happen um, in lots of ways, but it really boils down to three, three things. Firstly, we're formed by stories. The stories that society tells us, the cultural narrative that we hear over and over again, these stories sink into our souls. And an, another, name for the, no, another name for this is worldviews, which sociologists define as the lens by which we see the world. So this, we all know that life is complex. You come to our house, you'll see how complex it is. And as human beings, we're hardwired to take that complexity and turn it into a simpler story. So I could give you loads of examples. I'm sure you can think of one, but the simple story is that money, more money equals more happiness. And I guess we all know what Jesus has to say about that. But the stories that you believe give shape to the person that you do or do not become. Secondly, we're formed by habits, the mundane, those mundane things that we do over and over again without really noticing. They do something in us as we repeat them over and over again. They form us. So just as a quick example, because I am very conscious of the time. Um, coffee. When they were, who, who, when they were eight, liked coffee? Well, one. <laughs> Cheers, Alan. Just ruined my story. <laughs> Cheers. I didn't like coffee when I was eight. But now we have like three coffee machines in our house. C culture and habit got me into liking coffee and now I can't get up in the morning without having a cup of coffee um, in fact Annie bought me a coffee machine for my 40th birthday there was meant to be an audible gasp when I said 40 there wasn't clearly um, 40 never um, yeah <laughs> and we went on holiday and the only thing that I missed from being at home was our coffee machine and it was that habit of just getting up and having a morning it's just done something in me that now I need a coffee in the morning and it when I was eight, it was horrible. But have you noticed the more snacks you eat just before you go to bed, the more snacks you want just before you go to bed? Or the more, more that you binge Netflix, the more that you want to watch a bit more Netflix? Or the more that you exercise, for some of you, and you start to get in better shape, the more that you want to exercise and get in better shape? I don't have that problem, maybe because I have to do it for more than three days, but um, for some of you, that is a genuine problem. <laughs> But also, the more that we read our Bible in the morning and pray, the more that we want to read our Bible and pray. But the less we want to read our Bible and pray, the less we do it because we think it's kind of boring. So those habits build up over time. And thirdly, we're formed by the people closest to us. The reality is we become like the people that we hang out with on a regular basis. Our friends and family. In fact, our family of origin is probably the biggest influence in our life of who we do and do not become. Now, that's great news for some of us. That's mixed news for most of us. But for some of us, that, some of us that's terrifying. Also, the culture that we're born into can have an impact. If you were born in this Western post-secular culture, then all this stuff that I've been talking about is the air we breathe. It's the water we swim in. And if you think about your very closest friends, you probably dress in a very similar way. You no doubt vote in a very similar way. You probably enjoy doing similar things. You do relationship in a very similar way. 
because we become like the people that we hang out with, we spend time with on a regular basis. And this, is a, this can either be a great thing or a horrific thing, depending on who you hang out with. So I say all this to say we need to realize that if we care about discipleship, indeed, if we care about our very souls, we need to really think carefully about the water we swim in and ask questions whether those currents are making us more like Jesus or not. And I'm not saying this so we should all stick our head in the sand and not have anything to do with the world, try not to be part of the culture that we live in. In fact, we need to be aware of the culture and the way it forms us so we know what we're dealing with. We need to be in the world, but of, not of the world. But as followers of Jesus, we're called to, we believe we're called to a better way. So what is counterformation? If that's formation, the world forms us in all sorts of different ways. And we could, spend th- we could genuinely spend three hours on that. Um, what is counterformation? So we, what do we believe the antidote to be in this next season? Often, if we, come, we think that if we come here on a Sunday or to read the right stuff, or listen to the best Christian podcasts while we're walking the dog, that's when I do mine, then somehow that'll cut it. Think about the phone in your pocket. If you've got a phone, this doesn't, again, I'm picking on Ken, but this doesn't apply to him because he's got his data turned off. But if normal people's (laughs) phone in their pocket, if you think the access, we have access to pretty much everything that's written about Jesus, or has been written about Jesus, from then until now, in our pockets all the time, 24-7, we've got access to more hours of sermons and talks than we could possibly listen to. We've got lectures and all sorts of things, books, blogs, everything in our pocket. But if that content doesn't transfer into our hearts, then it's just content. It's just more noise. It's noise that can make us feel like we're becoming more like Jesus without actually becoming more like Jesus. Now, content has its place. I listened to something that said that the described content is the bridge between us and where Jesus wants to be, but it has to have a transformational purpose. Because if this content that we listen to and read and just consume doesn't impact our life beyond that moment of consumption, then we're just spending our time just listening to stuff. And all this becomes this sort of weird, nice social club where we come and sing songs at a wall. And it is, if that's all we're doing, then it's a little bit odd. Think with me for a minute about a graveyard. If you've ever been to a nicely manicured graveyard, there are often beautiful flowers and trees, and it's peaceful and calm. But the reality is, The graves hold death. They don't hold any, there's no life there. But then think of me, um, Dan's not here this morning, Dan works in A&E. If you think of a hospital, the hospital was chaotic and smelly and messy and there's people running around everywhere and there's stuff on the floor and bits up the wall and all sorts of stuff. There is sometimes, sometimes. Depends what's wrong with you. But what happens in a hospital? Healing happens. Life is being saved. And people are actively fighting for life in a hospital. The church is called to be a hospital, not a graveyard. And to bring life in all of its fullness and chaos and mess. So discipleship needs to be the heart of the church. We need to be able to come here on a Sunday and bring our mess. So we can deal with it here. In the words of John Tyson, who is... um, 
a new hero of mine. We've all got heroes. Um, it was John Mark Comer, but he's been on sabbatical, so I've not listened to much of him for a while. But now, now it's John Tyson in New York who's my new hero. Um, he's a bit intense, Ranya, but I think he's brilliant. But he said, if a church isn't very good at making disciples, then it isn't a very good church. A good church is not the one that has the best coffee, or that, that, although that does help a little bit, or puts on a good service, or creates that feel-good factor. A good church is one that disciples its people and has an impact beyond its walls. But first, we have to be impacted and be transformed to have something, something new and significant that is actually different from the culture around us. In John 17, Jesus prays for his disciples and all believers who follow after, which includes us. He describes us as in the world, like I said earlier, in the world and not of the world, set apart, different to the world, not sucked into the culture and fitting in, but actively being formed differently. We often live... The citizens of Northampton or England or the UK, we find ourselves rooted in our surroundings. Allegiance is set to a, perhaps to a political party or a social agenda. But Paul wrote in, the, in Philippians, we're citizens of heaven. We were never created to fit in. We were created to be radical, trans, uh, to bring radical transformation. And that begins with us. So in this next season in the life of Central Vineyard, in fact, probably from now until Jesus comes back, we believe, to, um, we believe that we're called to live this life of counterformation, deliberately choosing God's formation in us rather than allowing the world and culture to be formed in us. And the Christian vision of formation must be stronger and better than the world than the world's vision of formation. Otherwise, we'll continue to be formed by those cultural identities. Again, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to just quickly read Romans 12, 2 from the message version. So it might be a bit different in yours. It says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in, even without thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. I'll just read one line out of that again. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in even without thinking. We need to be intentional about not being recruited into this relentless battle for our minds and our time and our energy and our finances. It's far easier to be formed into the world's version of us than it is to be counterformed in Jesus' best for us. But what is it that Jesus would actually have us formed into? What would that actually look like to be changed from the inside out? Now, it might, may sound um, scary and powerless. In fact, last week, Val shared a word um, at the end of worship about surrender. The journey starts with surrender. We've got to allow God to form this stuff in us. So what would it look like for us now to allow God to have a go at changing us, to be more like him, to be made in his image, in his likeness, the way he intended? The good, faithful, loving, incredible God that we know, 
to even be a little bit more like him would sound amazing to me. And at the end of that verse that we've just read, it says, God brings the best out of you and develops warm, well-formed maturity in you. I think there's probably some people in the room who say, yes, please, to me. Now, one book, a um, bit of reading, if you want to do it. Now, one book, if you read one on spiritual formation, and I mentioned it on Wednesday, um, is called um, An Invitation to a Journey by a guy called Robert Mulholland. Mulholland. Um, I was going to buy a stack of them and give them out, but I didn't. Um, you can go and buy it on a good Christian bookshop website. Um, but this paperback is packed full of wisdom and challenge that really helps us get a grip of what this next season in the life of Central Vineyard will look like. Um, just a quote from it. It says, spiritual formation or counterformation is a process of being formed in the image of Christ, a journey into becoming people of compassion, people who forgive, people who care deeply for others in the world, people who offer themselves to God to become agents of divine grace in the lives of others and their world. In brief, people who love and serve as Jesus did. I don't know about you, but I fancy being an agent of divine grace. So we believe um, formation starts in a number of ways. We're just going to quickly go through some of them. Firstly, we can choose to be with Jesus. We're called to spend time with him in both environments like this, but also in groups and also privately. The promise of the new, oh, secondly, we're called to become like Jesus. The promise of the New Testament is nothing short of full on transformation. But so many of us feel a disconnect between that promise and our reality. To become like Jesus, you, you must be increasingly possessed and permeated by, his by the character traits of Jesus. We need to allow ourselves to be transformed from the inside out as we work to become more like Him. And finally, we're called to do what Jesus did as we're transformed from our old ways into a new way. And Annie will be sharing a bit more on that next week. So how do we do this? How do we think that we're going to do this in this next season here at Central Vineyard? Firstly, we believe our role as a leadership, the four of us, but also the wider staff team, is to resource you and create opportunities for you to do this stuff, to learn this stuff. So on Sundays over this next season, we're going to be focusing on spiritual practices and formation, hopefully to give you some tools and to go and do this stuff in, in communities, but also in your own homes during the week. We're going to continue with our equip evenings, um, adding some new stuff in and using that as a mechanism to deliver stuff to you. But there's also opportunities in the wider um, vineyard movement. So there's a new thing that's going to be called Leadership Essentials, which we'll hear about a few weeks' time. And then also there's this new Vineyard Leadership College for those of you who want to take this a step further. But again, more on all that another time. However, we believe that only, the only way all of this knowledge and equipping will go from here, your heads to our hearts, is, we, is if we move from these spaces into our communities and then into our communities beyond that is through intentional community. Being with one another, talking to one another, discipling one another, encouraging one another. So to repeat a little bit of what Dan said last week, I know I'm running out of time. Um, 
all this counterformation stuff is the primary reason that we're choosing to do um, intentional communities, to build intentional communities. Our desire is that through those communities, real discipleship will take place. And one of the fundamental lessons of discipleship is that important things in life are taught, caught, not taught. We want to catch hold of what it is to love each other well, to be in each other's lives, to be walking alongside each other in this journey towards Jesus. And if we accept that the world is out to form us and, we choose to be, and we're going to choose to be formed into the image of Jesus, then we're going to need allies in all this. We're going to need people to do it with us. We need intentionality and purpose in our communities. So we believe that in this next stage in the life of Central Vineyard, we're called to live this life of counterformation in the context of intentional communities. And last week, Dan described um, community circles as a place where we can grow together and be challenged um, to live out this life through thick and thin. These community circles are about knowing each other deeply and journeying together. It's not just a Thursday evening barber study. It might be, but it isn't just that. It's also a Saturday morning coffee or a Wednesday after school walk or Sunday lunch. Not everything every week, but maybe less structured and restrictive to be a time slot where we meet in an orderly fashion for a limited season. Instead, allowing each other into different parts of our lives and embracing the fact that when we get to know each other more, we can be annoying. But also it can be something incredibly meaningful and beautiful. Now I'm guessing for a few of you, including me, this sounds terrifying. My life's too busy, I haven't got time for this. But if we really believe that if we want to become more like Jesus, we need to do this stuff. We believe we really need to do this stuff. Well, on our first equip evening, when we talked about what the best thing, if you were there, we had a, a bit of a session. One, one of the questions, what's the best thing about community and what's the worst thing about community? And the youth who, were, who came um, gave this profound answer. They said, the best thing about community is the people and the worst thing is the people. And again, in the wise words of my hero, John Tyson, if Christianity is defined by love, love requires others. So if your practices aren't pushing you to others, they aren't pushing you to love. Or even in the even wiser words of King Solomon in Proverbs, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Community is going to be the place where we become sharper, where we allow this transformation to happen in safety and in love. It's where discipleship will happen through sharing, knowing, and supporting. And this will undoubtedly take effort and sacrifice and commitment, but we also need an eagerness. This is more than, we want it to be more than we can ever do for an hour or an hour and 10 minutes here on a Sunday. Community circles are going to be the mechanism for spiritual formation through accountability. We're going to build on relationships. We're going to learn together. We're going to be a tribe that Dan talked about last week. But it's also going to be the mechanism which we live this stuff out, that we bless our town. We bless our neighbors and our streets and our villages and our workplaces and business and all sorts of things. And again, Annie will be sharing a little bit on that next week. 
They're also the place where we can help each other out. It's mending that broken fence in, for someone in your group. Or praying week on week, stuff that we, don't, we can't do here, but week on week on week on week for that thing in someone's life that they're really struggling with. It's bringing meals to someone in your community who's just had a baby or something happened to them. Or kicking a ball around with a teenager just to hear a bit about their lives. This isn't a homogenous thing. This is going to be holistic and dynamic. So if you've been around Central Vineyard for some time, you'll know that communities or groups or connect groups or whatever else you've called them have come and gone, different forms, different levels of commitment. But what ultimately the reason that we're changing it and what we realized was we can't get this level of accountability in relationship in 10 weeks. It just doesn't happen. And I think we believe that it's time for us to step up as a church um, and step up into being more like Jesus. And we really believe that this is a mechanism for that to happen. So we've had some great times over the years, but really, really think this is a time. We really think that God's telling us to, to grow up. So to finish, let's return to Romans 12 again. It says, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So I guess to close, we have a choice. We can choose to stay where we are or we can choose to step up in our apprenticeship to Jesus. We want Sundays to be like the appetizer, but the main course needs to be what happens out there during the week. If we want to grow and be transformed by God rather than the world, to live this ongoing life of counterformation filled with the Spirit, we need to walk in step with each other. Primarily through communities and huddles, um, learning from one another, holding each other to account, to account and supporting each other, we're gonna, we hope that we're going to learn to become more like Jesus for the sake, and not just for the sake of here, but the sake of our town. Should we stand?